0: Seriously, you guys have a park. You live in the middle of a park. You don't need to not essentially travel to Brooklyn. Come on, you won't even open roads for people of all backgrounds.
1: I'm not going to give it a break. Like This, this is selfish behavior.
0: In 87, Lafayette, it's Coronapod. I'm Matt. And I'm Adam. <laughs> oh my god. You know what? You are as delinquent as de Blasio. That's 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 my new thing. Delinquent as de
1: Blasio. I am not.
0: Okay, wanna tell our listeners what was happening in that.
1: So little this intro weekend that we played? beautiful weather on Sunday, right? Gorgeous day. Sunday?
0: Gorgeous. Saturday.
1: Saturday. Beautiful Saturday. weather on Saturday. Saturday. You know,
0: Sunday was horrible. And that is a
1: recording of someone who lives in Brooklyn trying to get some fresh air. And who did they run into into Prospect Park?
0: Our mayor, Bill De de Blasio, Blasio. with his wife
1: and like God knows eight other bodyguards, handlers, etc. And the guy was just saying, "Why are you here? Why did you drive all the way to Brooklyn to come to this park when you live in a park?"
0: I. I really wonder why he ran for mayor. He clearly loves Brooklyn. That's great. I love Brooklyn. I'm a Brooklynite. He's a Brooklynite. But, you know, if he wanted to work out at the parks of YMCA so badly that it required a two-hour round-trip drive every day, he should have just not
1: run for mayor. Or he could have lived in his brownstone instead of deciding to rent it out and live tax-free in Gracie Mansion and make some side money.
0: Unbelievable.
1: Anyway, I normally am like, politicians deserve to go about their days, but Bill de Blasio deserves it. He really does. And the city council, Rivera, Carlene Rivera, and Corey Johnson, on Friday there is a bill saying that New York City had to open up 75 miles of roadway. And, you know, at least our idiot mayor realizes when he's been beat. And he but is they're only
0: going to open like 40, right?
1: 50 miles to start, all near parks, um, eventually going up to 100, and 10 miles of bike lanes. And let's break that apart for a second. One, near parks. Why do people near a park need more space?
0: This seems actually kind of classist because people who live near parks...
1: Have you know, the park. Upper west
0: side, upper east side, very wealthy
1: areas. I, it's not even that. It's just dumb. It's like the people who need space are the people who don't live near a park. Yes, Prospect Park is crowded, but it's not crowded because all of Park Slope decided to go to the park. It's crowded because everyone in Brooklyn decided to go to the park because it's the biggest park, and they have nowhere else. So that's one. Two, 10 miles of bike lanes is that's pathetic. nothing. It is pathetic. Um, we are going to go back to work at some point, and he has done zero to set us up for that world where no one wants to... Take the train to work. I'm not gonna take the train to work. I'm gonna ride by bike and I'm gonna have the same crap commute that I've always had because instead of taking a chance, not even taking a chance, instead of making light of this situation and doing something positive, he's just sitting on his hands. And you know what the worst part is? He's gonna eventually do 100 miles of streets. And I'm sure this is not gonna be done properly. The NYPD are gonna police every street it's going to be in this, right? No one's actually going to Mm -hmm. want to go because he is so beholden to the NYPD, which is insane because the NYPD reports to him. But I guarantee you, in two weeks, we're going to have a press conference where Bill de Blasio is going to say, the city council only wanted 75 miles of streets and I gave them 100. Mark my words, this is going to happen. (laughs) And when it does, like, I don't know what to do because he is such a pathetic, useless excuse for a mayor. And we would be better off without him. Should he resign? Yes. Yes, he should resign. All he's trying to do right now is get his wife elected Brooklyn Borough President. And goddammit, if I move back to Manhattan next year and am not able to vote in 2021, or I guess, when is the Brooklyn Borough? Whenever she tries to run, I will commit voter fraud and keep my registration in Brooklyn so that I can vote against her because Sherlane and Bill have been horrible to this city. Thank you for coming to my rant.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, you heard it here. Adam does not like Bill de Blasio. Neither do I, but Adam really doesn't like Bill de
1: Blasio. A tale of two cities. It sounds like the only city is him in his fucking bubble, and then the rest of us out here.
0: All right. Well, speaking of other cities, I think we should give our guests tonight a call because they are actually in another city, San Francisco. Heard of it? You know... It's kind of like, some people call it the Boston of the West Coast. But anyway, we can give San Francisco a break. Let's give Gabby a call. Hello. Hey, Gabby. Welcome to Coronapod.
2: I'm, I'm so happy to be
0: here. We're so happy to have you here. Um. So, Gabby, we're really excited to have you on the show. Really excited to talk about a whole bunch of things. But mm-hmm. why don't you tell... Our listeners, first, just a little bit about yourself and uh, what what's been happening that's interesting in your life since this whole coronavirus thing started.
2: Yeah, um, so I'm Gabby Fisher. Uh, I live in San Francisco. I'm 25, and I am a software engineer. Um, and when it comes to like how I've been kind of you know spending my time during quarantine in San Francisco since we've been in it for. I would say, like, at least uh, seven weeks now. I am losing count. Anyways, we've been in quarantine um, longer than the rest of the country so far, and I have been playing so much Animal Crossing that, like, I just don't feel the need to go outside anymore when I can go hang out on my Animal Crossing island. So that's what's been going on in my world.
0: I think you're not alone in that. We have not been (laughs) playing any Animal Crossing here, but I think we're the
1: outliers. Oh, well, you got
2: to get on it. If you can get a switch, It's just like, it's hard to come
1: by by as toilet paper these days. Well, we, Pacty had the switch, but Pacty has moved out. And we had a loyal listener who, we, we had a brief segment on Animal Crossing, I don't know, two weeks ago. And I kept <laughs> calling it Animal Crossings, plural. <laughs> and and one of my friends called me and said that it was embarrassing. and Like, that's not kosher. You can't do that. You exactly. You that to us. But they did say it kind of fit in with, like, the theme of the segment, which was that we had no idea what Animal Crossing was. Um, But now we know that it's singular, and we know that it's the game that's, you know, sweeping the nation.
0: Yeah. So, Gabby, you are in an interesting position in that you started a new job in the middle of quarantine. Tell us a little bit about what that's been like. Yeah.
2: So I, like, previously left my job at, like, a, lar- like a large startup turned, like, small public company um, early March, and, like, that's when I joined, like, my current employer, um, but honestly, like, the experience was funny. I was supposed to, like, take three weeks off um, to, like, read my year of rest of the relaxation, I'm not sure. Um, obviously, <laughs> I shortened that because I wanted health insurance, so I, like, immediately just I started my new job almost immediately, um, and it's been interesting because, like, I'm in a lucky position where, as a software engineer, like, this is pretty reductive, but, like, my job is to make pixels on a computer do what, like, they're supposed to, (laughs) um, which means that, like, I just had to get mailed a laptop, um, and once that laptop arrived, I kind of had all the tools I needed to do my job, and... It's an interesting experience because, like, I've only met my coworkers when they interviewed me, like, a few weeks prior, and that was only, like, a tiny subset of my team. Um, So starting a job just means that, like, you kind of are introduced to all of the people who you work with, all the people that, like, to an extent, yeah, your career are in the hands of um, over video chat, which, like, can feel distant. But honestly, I've been very lucky that, like, I have a team of pretty outgoing folks that have been so supportive, excited to talk to me, not just about work, but, like, get to know me as a person. And I guess I'm lucky that I'm pretty extroverted myself, so, like, I get a chance to learn about my coworkers in a way that somehow doesn't feel stilted at all, even if everything is, like, over corporate video chat. So that's kind of been, like, that's a TLDR, like, the too long, didn't read of what the experience has been.
0: So, you know, it's so interesting because it sounds like what you're saying is that you feel like you've actually been able to get up to speed. Do you feel like where you are in terms of knowing your coworkers, sort of like interacting with your coworkers? do you feel like you're in the same place that you would be if you were with them in person?
2: Oh, like, absolutely not. I think it would be overly optimistic to say, like, oh, I feel like... This is just how my job would have begun had I been working on, like, my corporate headquarters. Um, I feel like when you start a new job, um, there's always this, like, instant need to kind of, like, want to prove yourself and to kind of absorb as many of the projects around you as possible. And I feel like that only happens when you're lucky enough to have those informal conversations that let you really get context as to what's going on rather than, you know, what has been formally slated for you um and the lack of those informal conversations definitely feels like you're kind of missing out um I have to go out of my way to like just make remote coffee chats with other folks on my team to see if I can like I don't know weasel my way into learning everything that's going on and how I can help um but there's just something about the informal conversations at work the coffee chats and like Honestly, overhearing someone else having a conversation in, like, an open floor plan office, that is just an initiation that you can't get remotely.
0: So what's your take on this argument that I've heard advanced recently that one of the um, results of what's happening now is that the office will be effectively over and we're all going to work remotely because we realized during the pandemic that we can actually get a lot done at home. And once you get used to it, it actually works okay. As someone who has had to actually be onboarded from home rather than just knowing their colleagues and interacting with their colleagues over Slack, does that argument have any merit to you?
2: I ever worked in open offices I think it's like one of the worst innovations of the tech world that open offices are considered like quote unquote cool because I can just hear people having conversations and like you know sometimes that's useful to me sometimes it's just distracting Um, whenever someone sneezes I'm going to freak out for the rest of my life now Uh, but yeah like the thing about open offices is I just don't know how you're supposed to maintain anything like effective social distancing going forward and I'm, like, so curious to see how the tech industry especially deals with that because open offices are, like, the lay of the land. I have, like, pretty much never seen, like, a closed-door office in a technology company before. Um, so I I honestly, like, see a world where, like, if you can stay at home, like, if you're a software engineer, you're going to be able to work remotely more readily going forward, which I think is, like, actually a good thing um, just because remote workplaces have become a pretty popular approach to managing companies at least in my industry like there are some all remote companies that are extremely successful and don't really have like a formal office footprint or like a tiny minority of their employees work in a formal office Um, and like for someone like me i could probably work remotely indefinitely there are plenty of other engineers who already do so though, like under much less stressful circumstances And I can imagine like my workplace being prioritized so that like engineers who work in hardware engineering who need like electrical engineering benches um, are going to be allowed into the office. But like people in an open floor plan like software engineering layout just don't need to be there. Like I can imagine a case where like people kind of rotate the days they get to go into the office and like one in every three desks can be occupied at once. Um, I think it'll be a weird transition to see, though, because, like, open offices are cheap. They've become so relied upon for, like, fitting a lot of employees into one place and, like, saving money on things like rent, which is a huge thing in SF. Like, I think one-sixth of all, like, um, startup-raised money goes into rent. Um, It goes into landlord pockets. So that means that, like, squishing offices down has been, like, a big thing here for a while, and it's just not possible anymore. Like, I think this is going to be kind of the harbinger of what a remote workforce would look like at least in my industry um and I think it's only going to become more popular because like open offices are not only a tech industry thing at all like they're everywhere these days
1: from your perspective I think you like Matt and I work for companies where we can remain remote for a long time like things are yeah, lucky but but it can keep going So let's say that, you know, Newsom opens up California, right, and says everything is back to normal, like everyone can go back to work. Are you going to go back to work? I mean, on the one hand, I'm sure you want to meet all these people you've been working with. But on the other hand, you've stayed safe. You've gotten your work done without going in. How are you going to think about that balancing act? go forward because I'm sure the the government is going to open things up before everything is, before there's a vaccine for sure. So there's always some risk. So how are you kind of thinking about balancing those, those, those thoughts?
2: Like it's a hard question. I want to go like have some traditional notion of a desk, you know? Um, that being said I don't even know how many of my coworkers would regularly show up at the office. Going to remain remote for a very long time. Um, I'm kind of expecting that like I'm going to be doing this well into the summer. Um, and like I'm sure like at a company of the scale that like I work at, you know, they have the ability to have temperature checks and offices and that sort of thing. Like make sure that people actually are at a like healthy temperature before entering buildings, for example um but at the same time like now that we know kind of like more of what the realities of like being a covid carrier are like temperature is just not indicative of like if you are a spreader or not um i just get the feeling that i'm going to be working remotely for much longer than i would like to like i yeah it's 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 a sad reality but i just don't think i'm going to feel safe going into the office uh in any normal capacity
0: even if i'm like space 3 desks away from my coworkers so gabby one thing that i'm curious about is you live in sf which is really the nexus of not just the tech industry but all the wealth that it's created and you went to school in palo alto which is mm-hmm. is really an extension of that or maybe even more the heart of that and <laughs> especially over the past decade Software, engineering, and tech more broadly has felt like a really sure bet. You know, if you want to have a high income and a stable career and a lot of job security, you go work in tech, Um, in addition to certainly having a lot of interesting problems to solve. But what I think is really interesting now is that uh, what's happening in the economy is actually impacting... Startups and the tech world in a really meaningful way. Um, maybe more than people expected. It seems like every day, there's more news about layoffs at at startups like Bird or ClassPass. Um, you name it, and you know you you work at a very very large tech company. But I'm curious what it's like in SF as this is happening, in particular in the context of all the inequality that tech has created in SF. Already, it's sort of this strange thing. Like, a lot of people who previously were very upwardly mobile in SF maybe no longer are. What has that been like?
2: Um, honestly, like I guess I can distill into two. Like there are like two parts of this. Um, the first one is like when it hits really close to like really, when it hits really close to home, and that's that. Like I've seen a lot of people with similar backgrounds like me. Like you know. Um, computer science degree from Stanford, kind of like the very traditional approach to becoming an engineer, um, having their job offers revoked. Like Airbnb, I think, revoked all of their new grad offers um, until 2021. And that's just, I feel like a twinge of survivor's guilt, honestly, because I feel extremely fortunate that I'm not in that position because I could have easily been in it. Um, I think like the tech industry in general has been writing a gigantic bubble for so long. And I don't think, I think people expected it to pop at some point, but certainly not as quickly as this. Um, and yeah, there are people just like me with like similar skill sets as me, similar years of experience who have been laid off, even if they're really good at their jobs. And it's just a really scary reality to behold because otherwise like our, our career paths have seemed extremely safe so far. Um, so that's been like something to reckon with, and like it's a it's an important reality check, but it's just it's still horrifying to see it happen to people close to you. Um, and when it comes to the inequality in SF, like it's been scary to watch, honestly, um, just because like on one hand you have a lot of businesses that are running on tiny margins given how expensive operating the business in San Francisco is. Cause if you can imagine how expensive the rent for like residences here, imagine how expensive the rent for running the business can be. Um, so to that end, like it's been really important to me to like try and go patronize leave the businesses I care about as possible. I like spend way too much money on cocktails at this one local cocktail spot. I love, and they slowly take out, thank God. Um, but there have also been a lot of, um. Or there's been a. There's been like a lot of fundraisers like on GoFundMe for local bars and businesses that I care about, like Trick Dog, which is just a, a bar that like I used to go to like every other week. Um. And to that end, there are also nonprofits like off my tape or off my plate that are trying to like basically hit two birds with one stone, and that's supporting local restaurants. Um. By making sure that, like, they can have a reliable source of to-go orders and have those orders actually directed to, um, healthcare responders and folks working in hospitals. So those are all, like, those GoFundMes as well as official nonprofits, like, Off My Plate are ones that I've been financially supporting because I'm lucky to have the expendable income at the moment. Um, but on top of that, there's also a huge problem that's been, like, um, just, a. A pernicious like sad side of san francisco for a long time and it's the homelessness problem um given that the cost of living here is just astronomical um compared to what it was like even just 10 years ago um and like there's been a lot of movement in the sf um city government especially among the board of supervisors which are kind of like imagine um basically just like city council, but for San Francisco, and they recently passed an ordinance um, to make available hotel rooms for the homeless population in San Francisco, but it's too little too late because um, in the open space uh, homeless shelters in the city, like, there have already been some of the largest breakouts of up to 70 people in one place um, of COVID-19, so, like, the city, the city has to do better on that front, especially when it comes to like supporting our unhoused neighbors. Um, it's just like harder to support that directly, but given that it's something that kind of depends on the city ordinances being used to basically force the hand of hotels to, um, accommodate people in need of shelter. Um, Mm. it's it's a policy problem and a money problem but i think the policy honestly comes first at this point just because like if you don't have the ordinances necessary to take care of unhoused folks um where are you supposed to put your money into supporting it
0: Mm. definitely well
2: yeah so like it's not too
0: for us well gabby thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show uh there's tons more to talk about here uh, so we've got to catch up. It's been too long. Um, and so let's, let's uh, find a time to catch up more. Yes, this is
1: really fun. Thank you so much I for have joining us. I have so much us. tea on SF politics.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. Well, we'll have to have a, an SF politics show. We have a lot of New York politics on this show. Uh, <laughs> but For our West Coast listeners who may or may not exist, um, we'll get some SF politics. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Talk to you
1: soon. Bye. See ya. Bye. You know, if we were in San Francisco, I think um, the way we shit on Bill de Blasio, I think we would just be heaping praise on London Breed. I think they have done just a fabulous, much
0: more competent than Bill... Well, yeah, that's a low bar. More yeah. competent than Bill de
1: Blasio is like, you know, uh, it's a low bar, but... Well, guys uh thank you all for listening one thing as we we play the after music harvard just announced that they will be open fall 2020 really they have not said whether or not it is remote or in person that decision will be made by july and i think uh it's going to be remote
0: it definitely sounds like it'll be remote and we'll all be working from home and not in our open offices This has been Coronapod. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay healthy. Coronapod is brought to you by Momo the Cat. Follow her at Momo underscore is underscore a underscore cat.